hand, so hold on one second. I told my wife, I said, um, you know what I would love to do on a Sunday morning is um, something similar to what we do in our quiet time at home. Um, we love to, it's, I love how the scripture says, you know, it was, it was Jesus' custom to um, go into the synagogues and teach. Oh, you made me coffee? Wow. Don't tell the pastor we're, we drink, we're drinking coffee in, in the sanctuary. <laughs> wow, that's good. It's not as good as Pastor Dan's Cuban, but I mean, D, it's good. It's good stuff. It's good. It's good. Oh, D. Thank you. I just, I just poured it in the cup. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I don't know what Irish coffee is, but I think there's something else in, in ingredients in Irish yes. coffee. It's never entered my body. I never inhaled Irish coffee, something like that. Um, no, here's, here's what we had on our hearts. Um, as, as is custom for us, um, usually we get the kids up for school on, on Monday through Friday, and we get them to school. And then we come back and sit in our living room and just begin to share with one another. And um, some of the most incredible times in the presence of the Lord have happened when we're just sitting there sharing with one another. Not that you don't do this, but I hope that what we're about to do just encourages you, husbands and wives, friends, to do this with one another. You know, we've been saying for a few weeks that the church has officially left the building. Where's Tom Fleming at? Is he in here? No, I saw Tom here this morning. Is he ushering? If that's the case, then very little of what happens here at the church is, um, is going to make the most impact. Yes, we come together for a corporate setting in a time where the presence of God comes and rests on a corporate setting. But what we want to encourage you to do is, if we're saying, Jesus, I love you, my heart adores you, I just want to be where you are, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. If we're worshiping him and saying these things and declaring these things in a corporate setting, how much more should we not be saying these types of things in our everyday lives outside the four walls of the church? If we are prioritizing the presence of God, I'm going to have to keep my hands from playing with my beard today. I'm sorry. Drives me crazy. And um, (laughs) we need to be doing this on a daily basis. I'm growing my beard uh, for one reason, and here's why. Um, In less than a month, in less than a month, I will be in Israel. And so I want to fit in, and I'm trying to. He I'm wants to look to like it. Jesus did. I'm going to be like Jesus was. So, but no, this morning <clears throat> we we want to just share with you. We want to just begin to talk with you along the lines of faith. There has been a very strong um, priority, it seems, um, from the Holy Spirit um, over the last few weeks. Um, I would even say the last couple months have been very bolstered by faith 
and the direction in which this congregation is going is um, putting the demand on the Word of God. And it is, I, I believe that where He wants us to go is completely reliant on Him and on what His Word has to say for us. But just like my wife preached um, a couple Sundays, or was it last Sunday, Jesus formed a whip. It was never to beat people or drive out people. His whip was not to formed for the purpose of a weapon against people. It was those things that did not belong in the temple. And while we know that our whip is our tongue and our whip is our words, our words are required in order to occupy this place called earth. I think that it was her that also said, uh, you know, when, when we went in and I, in the early 2000s as America to drive out Saddam Hussein from Baghdad, we did the driving out. The force of the U.S. Army and the U.S. Armed Forces went in and drove out the, the forces of Saddam Hussein. After the initial attack was over, we left people there to occupy Baghdad. Jesus' work at the cross defeated the enemy. Yet our job begins at the cross. Just hear us out here. We're gonna, and, and I'm going to ask her to just pick up. We're just going to interrupt kind of like what we do at home. We just want to... Uh, I do a lot of interrupting. And, I, and so do I. <laughs> That's why we both have microphones. I get so excited about my thoughts that I just blur him out, even if he's in the middle of a sentence. What was I saying? Jesus' work we occupy was accomplished at the cross, but our work begins there so that we might, through faith in him, occupy the earth. The story goes, as you read through Genesis, God created us so that he might have a family, so that he would have fellowship with us. That's why we were created, to have a relationship with God. That's the first purpose that we were created, to have a relationship with Father God, okay? The devil lied to man, stole that relationship, put a separation there. God sent Jesus to bring back that relationship, and Jesus left and left us the Holy Spirit so that we could occupy the earth until he returns. Go ahead. What were you going to say? And so we were talking about this a couple days ago, and uh, I had this thought as I was getting ready in the morning, and uh, it kind of shocked me, and it was, there's a phrase out there, you know, obviously the finished work of Christ, and we've talked about that. And as I was getting ready in the morning a couple days ago, he said, the finished work of Christ was not enough. And I went, oh, excuse me, (laughs) it absolutely was enough. I can't add to it. I couldn't have paid that price. I couldn't have forgiven my own sins. It it was enough. He said, again, the finished work of Christ was not enough until I believed in my heart, until I confessed with my mouth, until I accepted that finished work of Christ. That work did nothing for me. Even though he finished the work on the cross, if I had never accepted it, I would have died apart from him. I had to engage with the promise of salvation. 
And just like that, the rest of the promises in his word are his potential for our lives. Salvation was his potential and is his potential for every single person ever walking this earth. And people say, well, we're all God's children. Well, no, we're not. We're all God's creation. We make a choice to become his child. The Bible says in John that to as many as believed and accepted him, to them he gave the power and the right to be a son of God. But there was a part that we had to play in that. And so his promises are his potential for our lives. And potential just means the possibility of something. His promises are what he wants for us, but we have to actually engage in that. It doesn't become effectual for us. And the reason I think so many of us are walking beneath the promises is because we haven't fully engaged with the promises. We haven't fully engaged in what the word says to do. And again, that word engaged is not to put condemnation on the people to say, oh, you're not engaging enough. It's not just works. It's not just works. But faith is an act. Faith is an act. And like we were saying earlier, we're not working for our salvation. There are no works that can accomplish our salvation. Otherwise, um, the Bible says, for by grace you are saved, lest every, any man, we would boast. We would boast in our own works. Well, it's because of what I did that I achieved my salvation. That's not what we do. We do not work for. What we do is we work from our position. And uh, I love that word you just said, our engagement. Once we have become engaged, once, become, once faith becomes a firm persuasion, uh, what, where does that come from? It comes from a relationship. There's no way that you can have faith. There's no way that you could... Let's just put it like this way. There's no way that we could have trust in one another unless we knew one another. I, go ahead. Faith is not just some entity that just sits on the end of the table and we try to get that. Faith is trust in the one who spoke the word. It's a trust in the person who actually spoke that promise that he's actually going to do what he said he's going to do. And you can't have or develop any kind of trust in somebody until you know them. And so faith is not a formula. Mm. It's not a push this button, pull this liver, and out pops your answer every single time, the same exact way, every single time. But faith comes from a relationship with the one who spoke the promise. It's not just I'm going to confess this 327 times and then I'm going to shout in my prayer closet and then I'm going to go out and declare it 27 more times and then bam, that's the formula. There is no formula. (laughs) I was going to just share that 2 Samuel. Yeah, I'll Um, open to it. You want to open that? Second. Hmm? (laughs) And I, as we were sharing this with each other, um, even just talking about it last night, I remembered about when David became king and he was facing uh, the Philistines coming to attack. You want me to read it out of this one? Um, yeah. Is this the NLT? Mm-hmm. 17. New Living Translation in Second Samuel chapter 5. It makes a great um, explanation or explains this well. And it says in verse 17, 517, When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king of Israel, they mobilized all their forces to capture him. But David was told they were coming, so he went into the stronghold. 
The Philistines arrived and spread out across of the valley of Rephaim. So David asked the Lord. This is a key right here. It's a relationship. Remember what we just said? He asked the Lord. Should I go out and fight the Philistines, Lord? And will you hand them over to me? And the Lord replied to David, Yes, go straight ahead. I will certainly hand them over to you. So David went to Baal Perazim and defeated the Philistines there. And the Lord did it, David exclaimed. He burst through my enemies like a raging flood. So he named that place Baal Perazim, which means the Lord who burst through, or in other words, the Lord gives the breakthrough. Yeah. So here's where it gets gooder, you right? <clears throat> I was going to start preaching, but the Philistines had abandoned their idols there, so David and his men confiscated them. But after a while, the Philistines returned and spread out across the valley of Rephaim. So again, David asked the Lord, you see this relationship, Lord, every, in every aspect and in every situation and every mountain that I encounter, I'm seeking you, I'm asking you. And it says, so David asked the Lord... Lord, what do I do? And this is, what the, this is what the Lord said. Do not attack them straight on, the Lord replied. Instead, circle around back and attack them near the poplar trees. When you hear the sound like marching feet in the tops of the poplar trees, be on the alert. That will be the signal that the Lord is moving ahead of you to strike down the Philistine army. I love that because he faced the same situation two times. But the plan of attack was not the same both times. It was different both times. So he wasn't depending on what he had done before or the pattern of things or some kind of formula. The Philistines were coming. Do it this way. The Philistines are coming. Okay, now go do it this way. And to be honest, that's probably what got Moses in trouble. Remember we talked last week about he didn't speak to the rock, he struck it because that formula had worked before. And so when we try to whittle faith down to just this thing, this formula that's sitting out there, we get into trouble and then wonder why is this not working? Mm -hmm. It's a relationship. It's staying so close to the one who spoke the promise and asking him, okay, how do I bring this into my life? How do I bring this into, how do I engage with the promise this time? There are times when he's had me speak. There's times when he's had me shout. There's times where he's had me dance. There's, you know, but every single engagement was different. But it's all about relationship. And as we were sharing this again last night, we were talking about the different men of faith in the Bible, like Abraham. You look at him and he was just such a solid man of faith and how How did you have so much faith? How did you stand that long? How did you do that? And the verse that came to mind was Genesis 24, 39 through 40. He's at the end of his life. He wants to make sure Isaac has a wife. So he's sending his servant off to find a wife for his son and giving him instructions. So this is a conversation between Abraham and his servant. And it's it's amazing what what transpires here. So he says... um, But I said to my master, what if I cannot find a young woman who is willing to go back with me? And this is the response. He responded, the Lord, in whose presence I have lived, will send his angel with you and will make your mission successful. It's about a relationship. We can go out and do the same thing that... Somebody else did, 
But if we do, if we go out and try to accomplish great things just because other men have tried to accomplish them in our own strength, we see what happens with the seven sons of Sceva in the book of Acts. These men said, hey, we can do it too. Watch this. And then the devil said, no, watch this. And he beat them and drove them out screaming and running naked. You have to know your God. There has to be a, a relationship that is, is, is founded, it's solid, it's founded on what has the Word of God said. In every situation, what have you said? Father, I want to hear you. I want to know you. The Bible says in, uh, is, that Jesus... He said, I only do what the Father say, uh, does, and I only say what the Father says. How do you think that he knew to spit into the mud, pick that mud up, and wipe that onto a blind man's eyes? There was no basis in the Torah. There was no basis in the law for him to do that. Yet he had a relationship that was based on trust. Father, I know that what you say is miraculous. And when you speak to me through your word, I'm going to follow your word. I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to say what you say. And then the miracle comes. Then faith, your faith, your firm persuasion is coupled with your declaration. And then there's a big celebration. But obviously we know that the celebration comes before we see it. We've said this for years. If you don't see it before you see it, you'll never see it. There has to be a seeing in the spiritual realm based on faith, based on trust. Father, I trust you, and so I'm going to celebrate like your word says it. It, it, it has already come to pass, and I'm going to celebrate it, and that's going to be my declaration. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to interrupt, being so polite up here. <laughs> But I loved that. I loved when Abraham, when Abraham said to his servant, this is just a conversation. He wasn't preaching a message. And this is how he described his God, the Lord in whose presence I've lived. And that was the foundation for his faith. That is why he could see faith made sight, not just because he believed a promise, because he trusted the one who spoke the promise, because he knew and lived in the presence of the one who actually spoke that promise to him. And he knew he was trustworthy. Yeah. You know, I've had faith flops. Well, Faith flops. Where Have you ever prayed for something and not seen the answer? When I first went to Bible school, I really wanted to come home in October and celebrate my grandma's 70th birthday. So I prayed and asked for a plane ticket. I even went to the airport fully expecting that somebody was going to give me a plane ticket. And then I drove home a half hour later when there was no plane ticket. <laughs> Lord, Lord, what's going on here? What's going on here? I had so much to learn of him. But it didn't deter me from asking him for a plane ticket two years later when he put it in my heart to go to Africa. And this time the plane ticket cost yeah. four times as much. But I had grown in my relationship to the point where I'm like, nope, this is your plan. This is your will. You're going to provide. And guess what? He did. Yeah. He did. But sometimes we let those faith flops prevent us from ever pressing in again. And that would be because of relationship. Yeah. 
It's not just about I asked and didn't receive. I've had a cold. I've had the flu and prayed for healing. And it just ran its course. And then I felt better. Mm -hmm. And then the enemy comes to attack. You know, what are you ever going to do if you get cancer? If you can't get healed from this, you'll never be able to get healed from this. Mm -hmm. And I just say, you know what? I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded. And I'm persuaded that he's able. Yes. Whatever happened, happened. Whatever didn't happen, didn't happen. But it doesn't change the word of God. And faith isn't just about this thing I'm believing for. It's a faith walk. It's a faith life. It's a faith relationship. It's knowing that even though this thing that I asked for didn't happen, I still know you. And I trust that you have my good in mind and that you're going to work all things together for my good. And that comes from this year, 26 years of a walking hand in hand with the Lord. And I can say like Abraham, the Lord in whose presence I have lived. There have been things that have happened in my life that have knocked the wind out of my sails. Things that I looked at him specifically and said, I know your word says that your plans are to prosper me and not to harm me, but this has really harmed me. It feels like it has harmed me. But Father, I trust you. I know you. You love me. I trust you. And I've got to trust my whole life into your hands. And that's where it's a relationship. It's not just about this thing that I'm believing God for. It's a whole life thing. It's not just about an answer to a prayer. It's about a lifetime of walking with the one who spoke the promise and knowing that he's faithful. I recently saw a, um, <clears throat> one of the candidates who was running for office, and um, he was being interviewed. And um, I believe the person who was asking this question to this candidate, I don't even want to say who it was because it really doesn't matter, but the person asking the question said, where do you, where do you stand with God? I mean, it was just a blunt question. You know, how do you... St- how do you acknowledge God? And this man is proclaiming to be a Christian, the, this candidate, says, well, I go to church, and, um, you know, I take the wafer and the cup, you know, whenever the, the, the pastor has the communion time, and I do good things, and I've given a lot of money away to other people and to, to do this. And the question really sparked a lot of this conversation with with you guys. Why do we come to church? Is it about relationship? Is it about believing what this word says? Or is it just to come because we're doing our works to get into heaven? This salvation is not based on works. It's based on grace and his love towards us. But there is a work. There are acts the acts of the apostles, the acts of the body of Victory Christian Center Warren Campus are still being written by faith. I strongly believe with all of my heart that our church will be known for a strong spirit of faith, for a people who know the word of God and know their God. When my wife was just talking, something... um, 
something just stirred up on the inside of me about um, how she was believing God for a plane ticket to Africa. When the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, you know His voice. You know His voice. The Bible says that the shepherd's voice, the sheep know. They'll not follow another. You know the Word of God. You know the voice of God. How do you know it? Because it's based on peace. Romans 8 tells us that. It's based on peace, and that peace that we drank in today. That's why we sing songs, uh, God, you're so good. I breathe you in. It's based on the relationship with him. And so when you know that God is speaking to your heart, I know I'm supposed to do this, and the devil comes to you and says, well, how are you going to do that? You can't even get a, a ticket home to see your grandma. That's when you look at him and you say, you're a liar. <laughs> There are moments where faith rises up on the inside of us because we know what truth is. We know what the Word of God says. The Word of God is truth. Things will change. Situations will change. People will change. They will transition in and out of our lives. But one thing will never change, and that is the truth. The truth will not change. What we come to know and what we come to put our persuasion in comes through hearing the truth. And when we base what we know on the truth, that's when we can trust God. That's when we can believe Him. Why can we trust God? Why can we say, God, I believe this? Because His Word has never and will never fail us. That's where the trust is coming from. We know that He's been a trustworthy Father. Amen. And I love what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 1, 12. He said, I know whom I have believed. He didn't say, I know what I've believed. Mm. And the Apostle Paul knew what. He wrote three quarters of the New Testament. He knew what he believed. He preached it all over the world. But when it came down to the very last words, he was speaking to his son in the faith. He didn't say, I know what I believed. Memorize the word. It'll do you good. He followed the words back to the mouth that spoke them and said, I know whom I believed. Yeah. And it's about that whole faith life. And in, in 2 Timothy 4, 16, he said to Timothy, the first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. Everyone abandoned the apostle Paul. Can you believe it? Like I would have been, I'm with you. I will be there with you. But no, he said, everyone abandoned me. May it not be counted against them, but... The Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. So at the end of the day, faith, he, and then it goes on to say, hold on, don't forget verse 18. And for all the hear, and he rescued me from certain death. Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work. He was sitting in prison, facing death, getting ready to be martyred. And he said, I believe him. He has delivered me. He will deliver me. Why? Because I know whom I have believed. Because the Lord stood by me. Because I have a relationship with the one who spoke the word. And it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what I see. It doesn't matter what I feel. His word is true. He is faithful. He will never let me down. Yeah. 
Um, I just want to say this again. The purpose of this kind of format this morning is, is twofold, really. I believe that when we come together corporately, there should be a, there should be a corporate anointing um, where we experience the presence of God. But I, ex- I expect that His Word is going to change us. And the second part is this. We just want to encourage you to start believing the Word of God for what it is. It's the truth. It's the Word of God. It's the only thing that will sustain us. I was, um, I was looking back at... Um, Deuteronomy chapter 8. You know, life is a process. Life is, life is full of mountains. Every one of us has them. Every one of us is faced with them. Every one of us encounters them. There is no one in this room that will not ever not encounter a mountain or... I say a mountain, but I'm calling mountains um, issues, hardships, things that we encounter. And um, as I was looking at this Deuteronomy uh, 8, I was actually going to share something out of uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7 this morning, but um, I just remembered this um, in Deuteronomy 8, and I'll close with this. I know we're uh, running out of time here, but Deuteronomy chapter 8 says this, remember the Lord your God. And it says in verse 1, every commandment which I command you today must be careful to be observed, that you may live and multiply and go and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way. You were being humbled, you were being tested to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he allowed you to be humbled. He allowed you to hunger and fed you with the manna. In other words, you became completely reliant on him. Can I tell you when the pressures of life comes and squeeze you, just like a grape, when a grape is squeezed, you find out what's on the inside of the grape. You see whether or not the juice that is in the grape is sweet or sour or bitter. He's testing your hearts with, there are things that test our hearts. And I love verse 11. You skip down and it says verse 11. I'm sorry, let me back up just a little bit. For the Lord God is bringing you into a good land, verse 7, and, a good, and good brooks of water and fountains and spring and that flow out of the valleys and the hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and trig, tr- fig trees and pomegranates and You're going to see olive oil coming out your ears and honey and the land that you will just be fulfilled in and content in. In other words, you're going to come to a place in your life where it's it's going to open up and it's going to get wider. Things are going to happen. You're going to be blessed. And verse 11 says this, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. Stop right there. Beware that you... Do not forget the Lord your God. 
after you have accomplished the great things, after you've built houses and filled them with fine treasures and, and walked through and overcome mountains and, and you've done all these things and things have happened in your lives and, and you get to a place and you're like, God, look at this. Again, we're not doing works lest any man should boast. He says, don't forget the Lord your God. We want to... We want to duplicate healthy Christians in this church, Christians who are Christ followers, who know their God. The book of Daniel says, um, and you will know, you, you will do great exploits because you know your God. That's the kind of people that we want to duplicate and we want to fan the flame here. Not just so that you can say, I go to church and I go to Victory Christian Center and um, we do good things and I try to live as good as I can and hopefully someday when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. No, there's a relationship built on trust, built on truth that we want to put into you. And the whole purpose, again, of this type of setting is to encourage you. Find someone, whether it's your spouse whether it's your best friend. And begin to do this. Begin to sharpen one another. Begin to encourage one another with the word of God because this is how we grow. Yes, you can do it by yourself. And that's what we're called to do, to eat the word of God, to put it in us until it comes out of us. But can I tell you, when we begin to do this at home, I, I've said it before, I want to swing out over hell with a sword gun. <laughs> I get so fired up. And that's what the Word of God does for you. It builds faith brick on brick. It's amazing what the Word of God will do when you begin to share it and bounce it off of one another and sharpen one another. Amen? Go ahead. And it's just such an excellent time, especially if you're discouraged, if you're finding doubt weighing down on you, if you're finding it you're tired from standing or believing God. That's the best time. If he's discouraged, then I lift him up. If I'm discouraged, then he picks me up. But if you're just out there isolated all by yourself, the enemy has a better chance of taking you out. Not necessarily, you know, kill you, but stealing your faith and getting you to give up and lay down your whip. So we talked about speaking and everything last week, and we just kind of wanted to wrap that all back up in Yes, his promises are his potential for our lives. Yes, we have something to do about that, but yes, it needs to all be rooted in that relationship. Yeah. Listen, we love you, and I hope that this has blessed you. Um, we, want to, um, we want to bless you, um, and we're just going to sit here in this calm place like this, and you guys can stay seated. We're going to try something different. How about that? Can you receive a blessing if you're sitting? (laughs) There is nothing greater than relationships. The relationships that we have with our Father, but the relationships that we have with one another. Some relationships are closer than others, and some are growing to that place where they will be close. Over the last few weeks, we've just watched some families go through some absolutely horrible things. And can I tell you, at the end of life, nobody's going to ask, I shouldn't have made so many relationships. I shouldn't have cultivated those relationships as much. 
at the end of the life that you have, relationships are all that matter. What are you going to leave behind? What is your legacy going to be in your kids? Are you going to build this faith life into your kids? Teach them to know the Word of God. Teach them to know the Word of God. So we bless you in the mighty name of Jesus to know your God. To have a firm persuasion in the truth. To build one another up. To challenge one another with the Word of God. To leave a legacy in your children and your friends and your family so that someday when we do leave this earth, I bless you to be able to leave that legacy strong, built on faith, so that others will come to know Jesus in whom His presence we've lived. We bless you to know Him intimately in the mighty name of Jesus. God bless you. You are dismissed. We will see you this morning.